Hello and welcome to the Jesus Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Lena Elsia Lee, also known as Lena the Jesus Witch on TikTok and Instagram. The Jesus Witch Podcast is a show dedicated to opening the conversation about including Jesus in witchery practices. The goal of this podcast is to not be evangelical. The goal is to spread the love, light, truth, acceptance, and oneness that is Jesus Christ himself. Here at the Jesus Witch Podcast, we believe all people are loved by God and all people are loved by Jesus. We believe in community and the power of fellowship. We believe in giving whatever you reasonably can to help your neighbor who's in need. And above all, we believe in the power of creating a relationship with Jesus that is authentic and unique to you. Join me for new episodes of the Jesus Witch Podcast every single Monday and be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Lena Elsia Lee, also known as Lena the Jesus Witch on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. This week on the podcast, we're going to be talking all about divination in the Bible and how I use it in my own practice. But before that, I just wanted to remind you of a few different ways you could help support the Jesus Witch Podcast. Firstly, don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on and give the show a rating of five stars. That really helps get the word out about the show. And also, if you like the show and you have a friend who you think would like it and resonate with it, share this show with a friend. That really helps us as well. Also in the show notes page, you'll find the link to our Patreon where you can find transcribed versions of the Jesus Witch podcast, which are written out so they're easier to understand and take notes from. We also have tiers where you can get early and ad-free episodes of the Jesus Witch podcast. Bible-based spell work pages, tarot spreads. I also have tiers where I send you a Bible-based spell kit each month, and then we get on Zoom together as a community and cast the spell together. And I also have another tier where I provide one-on-one, like, Christian witch counseling sessions with you, and we talk about your practice, what you're doing, what you want to work on, how you want to grow. It's a really fun time. I also have an Etsy shop where I offer tarot readings with Jesus, Bible-based spells, Christian witch mystery boxes, and so much more. You can find the links for all that and other ways to support the Jesus Witch Podcast in the show notes page. But now let's talk about divination in the Bible. In this episode, I want to talk about a couple of different examples of holy people divinating in the Bible, and then I want to tell you how I use divination in my own practice. I personally am not going to get into the whole, like, is divination a sin kind of thing, because I feel like knowing that divination isn't a sin comes from, one, understanding what divination is, two, understanding that holy people did divination, and three, understanding that the Bible was politicized. And my friend Sarah, who is on TikTok, as Shrazi97. She talks about this a lot better um, and a lot with a lot more eloquence than I can in like the actual historical context. But from my understanding and from what she's like taught me and from what I know, um, divination that was like forbidden in the Bible involved like using an animal bone and like, you know, putting it in your mouth and invoking like weird spirits to come into your body. And it was just like how different cultures did it. And in the Old Testament, when they were saying don't do divination, they were saying don't do divination in the same way that all these other cultures do it because the Israelites were meant to be set apart, right? That's the whole like thing about the Israelites and the Jewish people and the Levitical laws was to set them apart from different cultures and one of the ways that they were doing that and setting them apart and being set apart was to not do the same divination methods that 
you know, other pagans did. That doesn't mean that they didn't do divination. And today I want to talk about a few examples of Israelites doing divination. And then we're going to talk about an example of divination in the New Testament as well. So for the first story we're going to talk about, we're going to go all the way to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. We're going to talk about my man, Joseph. If you don't know who Joseph from Genesis is, I'm going to leave a fantastic podcast episode about him by the Yes Jesus podcast. This is looking at Joseph through a more queer lens. Obviously, today we're going to be looking at him through a more witchy lens, but it's still a cool story to know. But anyway, Joseph is the one in Genesis who had the, like, technicolor coat, you know, so to speak, because that's the musical that he's based off of. But he had this, like, coat of many colors, and his brothers didn't like that his, their, their father gave him the coat of many colors, the Yes Jesus podcast podcast explains this a lot more eloquently <laughs> than I do. Um, but their father had given him the coat of many colors because he was favored among their father. And, you know, their father had like a particular liking for Joseph. So he gave him this coat and his brothers were not happy about this. I think he had like seven brothers, something insane like that. So they decided together they were going to sell Joseph into slavery. So they all like banded together one night, kidnapped him, took the coat, like tore it up and threw it on the floor. And they put him, you know, in this like ditch to keep him prisoner. And they eventually like sold him into slavery. And he ended up in, G in Egypt as a slave. Um, and he was like working for, you know, somebody in Egypt and the wife of the person that he was working for tried to sleep with him and he didn't want to sleep with her because he was a holy and righteous man. Um, or maybe he was just queer. We don't know. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's why you should listen to the Yes, Jesus podcast episode because there's so much nuance um, to this whole story. But anyway, he she she made up this whole story that he had tried to rape her. So he got thrown into prison and while he was in prison he started having these dreams and this is the first example of divination that we see is Joseph having these dreams that he's saying that he's interpreting with God right so you know his uh, the guards were having weird dreams as well and they would go to him because he was you know talking about dreams and whatnot and he would interpret them and interpret them fairly correctly so at one point the pharaoh of Egypt starts having these like really insane dreams and the, one of the, the guards is like, hey, I know this guy who's in prison. Um, he can, like, decipher dreams really well. So why don't we bring him over here? He says he does it through the God of Israel kind of thing. Which, again, deciphering dreams and predicting accurately what's going to happen, that is divination. That is prophesying. What Joseph was doing was divination and prophesying via dreams. So they go and get Joseph from prison, bring him to the Pharaoh, and... The Pharaoh explains this insane dream that he's having to Joseph and Joseph's like, okay, dude, this is what this means. And he tells him how there's going to be this seven year famine and how Egypt needs to start preparing for this seven year famine and start like making rations. Right. But then there's going to be like seven years of like a lot of rain and bountiful crops and all this whatnot so just start now and like start preparing so the pharaoh was like so impressed by this he was like yo you you're not gonna be a prisoner anymore you're gonna be like my right hand man kind of thing and so when the, the famine hit Joseph ended up being like the person that was helping to hand out all of the rations and one day as he's handing out all the rations his brothers come up to him to get some rations and they don't recognize Joseph because he just went through years of prison and you know and, and he was a slave for a while but now he's like this you know um 
right hand man to the pharaoh and he's like you know basically like a rule like one of the rulers in this you know part of egypt and um so they go to joseph to get grain and you know he recognizes them they don't recognize him so he like you know does some shit to like mess with them because he wants to like see if his brothers have become honest again um so that brings us to genesis 44. Joseph essentially hides his silver divination cup in a bag of one of his brothers so that he can make them come back to um, where he is so that he can confront them and be like, you know, I'm your brother, this is who I am sort of thing and like um, reveal himself. But the important part here is we're talking about this silver cup and in Genesis 44 5 it says, why have you stolen my master's silver cup which he uses to predict the future? Literally right there, you have this holy man, this person who has been interpreting dreams in the name of God, who now, we're being told, has a cup that he uses to predict the future with. Culturally, there's a lot of different ways that Joseph could have been using a silver cup for divination, um, but tea leaf reading is extremely common, was extremely common in that area at that time. So I would assume that he was probably doing some sort of tea leaf reading or possibly even scrying by putting water in the silver cup and like looking for messages with that. But this is an example of a holy person divining, doing divination with God. He never abandoned the Abrahamic God whenever he would divine and like interpret dreams he would tell them I'm doing this through the power of the Abrahamic God through my God so you could assume that he's also using this silver cup with God and now a quick break from our show to talk about a few different ways you can help support the Jesus Witch podcast one way you can help support the creation of the Jesus Witch podcast is by becoming a Patreon supporter of the show every supporter of the Jesus Witch podcast on Patreon gets access to our monthly community oracle card readings as well as access to a secret discord channel in the Jesus Witch Church. In that channel, you can leave any Jesus Witch questions or suggestions that you may have, and it's just a better place for us to connect as a Patreon community. We currently have five different Patreon tiers for you to choose from to help expand your knowledge on Jesus and Christian witchery. The first tier that we offer is the Mercury tier, and this provides written transcripts of each episode of the Jesus Witch podcast to make them more accessible and easier to take notes from. The next tier that we have is The Fool, and that provides early access to the Jesus Witch podcast, as well as ad-free episodes. The following tier is The Magician tier, which helps to expand your Jesus Witch knowledge with tarot spreads to help you connect with the Abrahamic Pantheon and monthly Bible-based spellbook pages. In the Hierophant tier, we go even further with Bible-based spellwork. Each month, members of this tier get access to an additional Bible-based spellbook page, I also send you a mini spell kit every single month with the ingredients to cast your spell. With this tier, you also get access to a monthly spell casting circle that happens over Zoom where we cast the spell together and it's a really fun time. Our final tier is the High Priestess tier. This tier gets everything from the previous tiers as well as a one-on-one call with me over Zoom every single month to talk about your practice, where it's going, and what your goals are spiritually. Another way to help support the Jesus Witch Podcast is by shopping at the Sun and Moon Jesus Witchery Shop on Etsy. Over on my Etsy shop, I offer Talking to Jesus tarot readings, Christian Witch mystery boxes, Bible-based spell oils, astrology readings, and so much more. You can also help support the creation of the Jesus Witch Podcast by sending a donation directly to my PayPal or Cash App. You can find the links to both of those or any of the other ways to help support the Jesus Witch Podcast in the show notes page. And a quick reminder, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcasting app you're currently listening to us on. And give us a rating of five stars because that helps to get the word out about the show. If you would like to connect with me further, be sure to join our free Discord group, The Jesus Witch Church, and give me a follow on TikTok and on Instagram at Lena the Jesus Witch. Now let's go back to our show. 
So the next person I want to talk about is somebody that I feel like everybody who has a little bit of Bible knowledge knows, and that's Moses. So the most famous Moses story with divination is actually the story of him talking to the burning bush in Exodus 3, um, 1 through 17. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a lot of verses, but I want to take a focus on verse 2 for a second, which says, There was an angel of the Lord appearing to him in flames of fire within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So basically Moses walked over to the bush and God's voice came out from the bush telling him to take off his shoes and like, you know, be sacred because this is holy land because he was talking to him on it. And God starts giving Moses the whole plan for like how they're going to leave um, the rule of the, the Egyptians because this was when, this was during Exodus obviously when um, the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. Not only is this insanely witchy because he's talking to a burning bush, right? But it's also divination in the sense that he's looking at fire and getting a message from the fire, right? When I do like cord cutting spells, I look at the fire and I look at the flame the way that it dances around. And that tells me a little bit about the situation and what the person's trying to let go of and what kind of energy is being, you know, um, expelled during this spell. But not only is it divination in that sense, but he's also hearing a voice from God. He's getting a voice from the divine, right? That is what divination is. It's simply getting messages from the divine. I probably should have done this in the beginning of the podcast episode, but the actual like Oxford Dictionary definition of what divination is says, the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means. If you're having a burning bush talk to you, telling you a plan of how to get your people out of slavery, that's pretty divination-y to me. I mean, like, think about it, because that's not information Moses knew before he approached the burning bush. He gained that information after talking to God, after divining with God through this bush. Another example we see of Moses doing divination in the Bible happens in Joshua 14, verses 1 and 2, where he casts lots to help figure out, like, where every all the tribal leaders, what land each of them were supposed to get from Canaan. So they casted lots in order to to determine who moved where. The final example of divination in the Bible I want to talk to you all about happens in the book of Acts. Even though this is the last example of divination we're going to talk about in the Bible, this is not all the examples that are in the Bible of divination. If I wanted to make a podcast episode about every single aspect or every single example of divination in the Bible, I would be talking here for a couple of hours. I just picked my personal favorite three to talk about with you today. But divination was incredibly common throughout this society. Again, it's really about intention, who you're talking to with your divination, how you're doing divination. Are you doing it in a manner that's like peaceful and not harming anybody? Are you harming things for your divination? Like that's, I feel like that's really the root of like where divination becomes a sin. Are you using your divination to get like personal and invasive answers about somebody else, like trying to get somebody else, somebody else's energy that hasn't consented to it? Or are you doing divination in order to like get messages from God about how you're supposed to move forward in life. You know, I think that divination could become a sin if you make it become a sin, much like anything else could be a sin if you make it become a sin. But it really, the intention is that's behind it is really what matters. So like I said before, the last example of divination in the Bible we're going to talk about is from the book of Acts from verse 1, um, 25 and 26. 
So this all takes place after the whole crucifixion story and when Jesus was ascended into heaven. And as you probably know, before Jesus was crucified, he was betrayed by one of his friends and given over to, um, you know, to the Pharisees, um, his friend Judas. And Judas ended up killing himself because he felt so guilty about this. And the disciples who were left over now in Acts, they had, there was 11 of them, they decided that they needed somebody to replace Judas's role in being a disciple for Jesus. So the apostles found two different people that they liked, one named Barabbas. I totally pronounced that incorrectly. He was also known as Jetsis. Again, pronounced that incorrectly. And the other one was Matthias. So as we'll read in the verse in a second, they casted lots to determine who Jesus's will to be the new disciple to take over, um, or the new apostle to take over Judas's role. Um, so what this verse says, again, we're in Acts 1, 25 and 26, which says, an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they casted lots and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. So right there is an example of apostles, people who knew Jesus, loved Jesus, worked with Jesus, traveled and ate and slept with Jesus, doing divination to talk to Jesus. For me, personally, this verse is evidence enough that what I do divination-wise is not a sin. These are people who literally lived with Jesus. If they're doing divination and casting lots to talk to him, why can't I? So speaking of divination, let's talk about the different types of divination that I do, boundaries I have with divination, and how I involve Christ in that practice. So first, let's talk boundaries. I feel like this is the most important thing to talk about, and everybody's boundaries are going to look different, but these are what mine look like. Firstly, I will not do divination that predicts the future. I could do a reading for you that, like, you know, asks you what the energy of a certain time is going to look like, but I will not try to predict the future. I will not try to tell you what's going to happen. I will not try to tell you if you're going to get a job. I'll not try to tell you if you're going to get pregnant. I won't personally touch, like, am I sick or am I pregnant or is anything wrong with my health? kind of questions. The only thing I do regarding health is like, just, I'm going to use myself as an example, right? I'm chronically ill. I have a lot of chronic pain. If I wanted to do a reading for myself and ask why I'm in chronic pain and like what I'm supposed to learn from it, like not asking like physically why, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, what is the purpose of this pain? What am I supposed to learn from this pain? Am I learning stamina? Am I learning to find joy in all things when it's really hard? Like what are the, what is the lesson that this ailment is teaching me. So that's like as far as I'll go with health when it comes to divination because that's a huge boundary of mine. As much as a hippie as I am, I truly believe in going to see a doctor, whether that be a naturopathic medicine doctor or an allopathic medicine doctor, whatever it may be, just going and seeking some sort of professional for the actual physical health ailments. And then, you know, working with the emotional aspects spiritually, that's totally fine. And, you know, even if you wanted to boost your, you know, allopathic healing methods or, you know, your practical healing methods with magic, you could totally do that as well. But getting that mundane part first is so important and that's why like I won't do health readings. Another boundary that I have in my divination practice is I don't do love readings. I will do soul contract readings with somebody and their partner so like if you wanted to grab one with your spouse or your girlfriend your boyfriend whatever I do that that's totally fine with me but when you're coming to somebody like a tarot reader and saying I want to know if so and so likes me 
I find that to be extremely invasive on somebody else's energy. You don't know if that person wants their energy to be tapped in on in that way. You don't know if that person wants their tarot cards to be read and like their emotions to literally be put on the table. I find it easier to do soul contracts between partners because like if you're in a relationship with somebody and you know that they're a little witchy, this is something that you could expect. Even if they don't blatantly say, hey Jack, I'm gonna go get a soul contract reading for us today. He knows because he's married to me that like that's a possibility at any time so as long as your person knows that you're witchy and like you like to get tarot readings and that's a possibility then I don't see the problem with it even if you're not explicitly being like okay honey tonight I'm gonna get us a soul contract reading like I don't think you have to do that I think that you know if you're sharing your energy with that person in that reciprocal right way already it's enough like you're in a consensual relationship with them it's enough but if you're just asking and trying to prod on somebody's like energy and like trying to like figure out if they like you and figure out the way that they think and figure out what's going on in their head that feels really yucky to me like another boundary that I have is I won't read tarot for people who are not consenting to it like this is the stupidest example but I'm gonna use it because it's real I want to know what Taylor Swift's thinking I want to know what she's thinking. I want to know what she's doing. Do you know how easy it would be to grab my tarot cards and like flip them over and like I could be like oh this is what she's doing right now this is what she's going through blah 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 firstly that's creepy as fuck to do that like no that's such a boundary crossing right but secondly how do I know that my information's accurate and not just my own bias of like what I think she's doing or what I want her to be doing or what I want her to be thinking because like it's my cards my energy and she's not sharing her energy with me so how do I know I'm actually accurate you know what I'm saying like doing that and invading somebody's like energetic space by reading them without consent and like without asking them is so yucky so those are the boundaries that I hold in my reading practice. I don't do love readings. I don't read on people who don't give me consent. I don't do health readings and I do not read for the future. But now let's talk about what I do in my divination practice. So I feel like my divination practice can be like split up into different categories. There's like the cards and then the astrology. So for cards, obviously I do tarot readings. That's something that I provide in my Etsy shop. I also do them for myself. I will say that me personally like if I'm reading for myself I'm a lot better with oracle for me but if I'm reading for other people I'm a lot better with tarot for other people the only time I really do oracle for other people is when I'm doing like a talking to Jesus one-on-one -on -one reading like on a zoom I'll grab my work your light oracle deck and use that with Jesus as well or if I'm doing like a collective oracle reading for patreon but other than that I use oracle simply for me in my opinion oracle is a lot more easy to understand it's a lot simpler and I feel like there's a lot less bias with it because what that card means is exactly what the booklet tells you it means like there's not much room for interpretation with oracle in the same way that there is with tarot so my personal favorite tarot decks are the Lightseer's deck and the Wandering Star tarot deck. I find both of these to be just, firstly, they're fantastic decks in the sense that, especially with the, the Lightseer's deck, it really shows people. Like there's so many different people in it. It shows like a variety of different, you know, people, places, relationships. It just looks like real life to me and that's why I like it. And all of the images that are in that 
particular tarot deck and the Lightseers deck, I feel like they all depict what that particular tarot card means like almost perfectly. I absolutely love that deck for the imagery and just for how like how much it mimics real life. It is such a real and raw and nice deck and I find a lot of success using it with Jesus. I also feel like the Abrahamic God and Goddess like that deck a lot. Like if I'm going to do a tarot reading with God or with Ashra, that's the deck that I grab um, to do it with. The other deck that I mentioned, the Wandering Star Tarot deck, is probably one of my favorite tarot decks for beginner tarot readers. Not only do the images reflect real life, it's another one of those decks where it's very versatile, but it also has keywords on it. So some days when I have a little bit more like gremlin brain, I use that deck. Also, it's just, it helps. It helps to have those keywords there because every once in a while you're kind of doing a reading and you're like in the fog of what spirit's trying to tell you and you're trying to grasp the words and having the keywords right there helps sometimes. So I really like that deck as well. The other just classic tarot decks that I use are the Everyday Witch Tarot deck. I use that to do my readings with Lilith. I love reading with that deck. My husband loves reading with that deck. He'll like grab it to go talk to his girl. He loves Lilith. The two of them are like two peas in a pod. But um, <laughs> it's a fun deck. There's a lot of like black cats on it and just cats in general. So it's so cute. And there's a lot of like witchy imagery. It's another one that, where it's more versatile in the images. However, like it's all women for the most part so it's a very like womanly and like divine feminine deck which is why I like working it working with it for Lilith. Another tarot deck that I have and I love and I use fairly often is my ethereal tarot deck. Originally I started using that tarot deck with Loki but then when Venus came into my practice I needed a really pretty tarot deck for her and that's like honestly the most pretty tarot deck I've ever seen. It has gold in it. It's so gorgeous. I absolutely love it. I also didn't want to buy another tarot deck because I have a bunch of tarot decks in my like little altar box and I don't use half of them because I just I don't know. I'm a scatterbrain. I don't like having so many tarot decks. I don't like having a different tarot deck for each deity like Jesus, God, and Ashra all share their tarot decks. So I was like to Loki, hey, um, you know, Venus is coming in my practice now. Would you mind sharing your tarot deck with her? And he was like, nah, fam, it's cool. I'm happy to, I'm happy to share a tarot deck with a pretty lady. And I'm like, this deity, I swear. Oh my gosh, that is so Loki. But I use the ethereal tarot deck for both Loki and Venus. Um, I use it for Loki because I got it when my mom and I went on vacation with my kids and I said to Loki, I'm going to get you a tarot deck while we're on vacation because there was a lot of like little, um, little witchy shops and whatnot. And that was the one that like spoke to me most. I had seen it online a lot and every other tarot deck that they had just didn't feel like the vibe for me. I really wanted that one. So I bought it and I started working it with him. I mostly do runes with Loki anyway. Um, so it's mostly Venus's deck and I love it. Speaking of Loki, runes are another type of divination, and I forgot to mention them before because they're not honestly a type of divination that I do a lot. I mostly do runes with my husband when him and I are casting spells. Both of us work with different Norse deities. He is in a beginning stages of his relationship with Hell. I work with Loki. So, you know, when we do spells together and we do things together, runes are a good middle ground for both of us. Um, I have a couple of types of runes. I have ones that are like black obsidian runes and I'll use those if I'm like pulling a rune for a friend um, but then for Jack and I specifically I have these gorgeous 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 tiger's eye runes and I got those when, when my mom and I went on vacation with the kids I found them in this Norse pagan shop in, in Connecticut and they were like absolutely gorgeous so I had to buy them but we mostly use our runes for clarity with spell work I don't really use them for divination as much 
but runes are also another form of divination. There are so many different forms of divination, and I don't do every single type of divination in my practice. I don't do osteomancy, I don't do pendulums. Those form of divinations do not speak to me, that's why I don't do them, but if they speak to you and you do them and you get accurate results from them, God bless, more power to you. Like, everybody's practice is meant to look different, and that's why I share my practice, not so that you can like mimic mine, no, so that you can see that other people's practices look different. This is what mine looks like. If you want to be inspired and take something from my practice, go ahead, but don't mimic my whole practice. You're meant to have your own practice like I'm meant to have mine. So let's get back on track and keep talking about tarot cards. I also really love the Akashic Tarot deck. I personally use this for soul contract readings. I know people who use it for past life readings, who use it for Akashic readings. You know, this is a very versatile deck. I use it for soul contract readings. I have my own spiritual dictionary with this deck. I have never looked in, <laughs> never looked in the guidebook for this deck because it just, the guidebook is not what I want this deck for. I want it to use soul. I wanted it to use it for soul contract readings. And so I created my own spiritual dictionary. Like I just pulled the Akashic field. And for me, if I pull the Akashic field, this is a relationship that's very karmic that has a lot of like spiritual potential in it and is one that you're going to grow through a lot spiritually and is meant to teach you how to be a little bit more connected to the divine realm versus staying super grounded in earth, if that makes sense. But I really love this deck for soul contract readings. It is the main deck that I use when I do them. Like I said before, I'm an oracle girly, so I really like the Work Your Light Oracle deck. That's one of the ones that I mainly use with Jesus. I also have the Starseed and Rose Oracle by the same person. I believe that they're all by Rebecca Campbell, and I really love the like trio of them to work with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. However, I'm not a big fan of the name of the Starseed Oracle because of the anti-Semitic connotations behind like the whole Starseed theory. However, it's a really universal, it's very ethereal, a very like galactic deck and I really like using it with the Abrahamic God. I also really like the Wheel of the Year Oracle decks. Like I have the Samhain Oracle deck, the Yu Oracle deck, and the Beltane one because those are the three that they have so far. They are such good Oracle decks and they are great for providing insight and things to do in action during like every specific season. So like the Yule Oracle deck is more um, geared to like internal things and like things that you could do during the winter time. Samhain's more geared towards like ancestral relationships, relationships to spirit, shadow work. Beltane's all about like bringing yourself back out and like shining your light and having that like, you know, more flowering connection with spirit. It is so, those decks are so well done and I absolutely love them. But moving on from cards, my personal favorite type of divination is astrology. I don't get to do enough astrology. I wish I could do more of it. I wish like I could do more astrology readings or talk about it more. And I just, I have to figure out how to incorporate it more within what I do because truly astrology is like the bread and butter of honestly my faith. Like I really, really put a lot of merit into astrology and into the way that it's transformed my life, how it's made me, um, perceive myself, perceive others, and like really think about the things that happen in our lives. I really, I really love astrology and that's the main form of divination that I use. There are many different ways to use astrology. Obviously the most common way is birth chart astrology. Birth chart astrology is based off of the time, date, and location where you were born, and it constructs a whole chart with like a rising sign and placements for all of the 12 planets. It's absolutely fantastic and gives you a lot of insight into who you are, what you struggle with in life, and how to overcome it. 
I offer astrology readings and I'm very intentional with my astrology readings to offer you tools to help you work with your signs because I, I believe our birth charts is the closest thing that we can get to actually looking at our soul contracts to so the things that we like came here in earth to do and to learn. And while each sign and each placement has negative connotations to it, if we learn about what they are and how to work through them and like what feeds these particular placements, what makes them feel empowered, what makes them feel strong, what makes them feel good, then we can use our birth charts as an advantage and as a tool. So I know I'm a Taurus sun and moon and Venus. I know that I need to be comfortable in order to work right. I know I need to be well fed and I need to sleep a lot to have the energy that I need to do the things that I do. I also know that I'm a Scorpio rising, so I'm a person that's here to challenge other people's beliefs about themselves and their opinions about themselves, which sometimes makes me a fairly polarizing person, but it's all okay. It's within my contract and it's what I'm here to do. And the people who really resonate with me, resonate with me and I vibe with them. And that's awesome. And that's all I need in my life. Besides birth chart astrology, there's a type of astrology called horary astrology. This is something I don't personally know how to do. I'm not well versed in it, but I use it quite often because there's a horary astrology Facebook group and they have some of the most brilliant astrologers there I've ever seen in my life. And what I personally use horary astrology for, people will use it to predict the future, to like ask, you know, more in-depth yes or no questions. Um, but I personally use horary astrology to find lost objects. I genuinely do not understand how this sorcery works, but oh my goodness, it works. One time I had lost my wallet and I literally lost this wallet for like three or four months. I was not about to get a new wallet because we were in the thick of COVID. Things were still weird. And I was not about to go through that whole process of like getting a new license. And I'm pretty sure my social security card was in it at that point. Like I just was not going through that whole process of getting new debit cards, new insurance cards, new everything. Like, no, I wasn't doing it. So I... <laughs> I just let my my wallet be lost for a while. So eventually I casted a horary astrology chart, which is basically you make a chart of the moment and put it in the Rigamantis um, chart style. And um, I posted it onto the group and I was like, guys, I can't find my wallet. I have no idea what this chart means. Like I, I can read astrology. I can do birth chart astrology. I'm very good at birth chart astrology. Horary though, I really don't know. I genuinely don't know because it's all different. It's very different. It's a, a different system. So the brilliant astrologers in the horary astrology group look at the chart and they're like, okay, we think it's somewhere near kids bedding close to the ground. So I'm like, okay, let me go look at my kid's room. And I look in their room and it's not there. I'm like, what the heck? So a couple of weeks go by and I'm like thinking about this. And I'm like, what could that possibly mean? Like low to the ground kids bedding. And then I remembered for Christmas, like I start hoarding up Christmas presents for my children in like June. Like I buy stuff all year because one, you find things on on sale that you want. You're going to get the lowest price when you're going to get the lowest price. You got to catch that deal. Two, I don't want to be worrying about Christmas shopping around Christmas time. I want to enjoy Christmas time. So I do all my Christmas shopping before Christmas time, right? So I remembered this and I'm like, oh my God, I bought my kids new bedding sheets. So I went on my floor, like they were under my desk, right? And I look in these boxes where the new bedding sheets were and guess where my freaking wallet was? It was in the box with the kids bedding. I was losing my mind. I'm like, oh my God, astrology. Astrology is the craziest thing. So I'll use horary astrology. Can't read it, but I use it. It's fantastic. 
fantastic for finding lost objects. Um, it's not super effective for other things. I've found it to be like really like we asked when I was pregnant with Scott if it was going to be a boy or a girl. Some people thought it was a girl. Some people thought it was a boy. Like that's very objective. You know what I'm saying? But with like lost objects, it's like, no, this is what this means. So this is where it has to be. And it fucking works every time. And it's so crazy. The other form of divination that I absolutely love to do with astrology is something called astro dice. Astro dice are three like D&D looking dice that instead of numbers on them have, well, one of them has numbers. It has, if they're 12 faced, each of them. So the one of them has numbers one through 12 to represent each of the houses in the zodiac chart. Then the other one has um, the 12 signs. And then the third one has like 12 of the 12 planets. So like one through nine planets. And then it has um, the north and south node on it as well. So the houses in Astro Dice represent the area of life that is concerned. The signs represent the emotions involved with the situation. Then the planets show what type of action needs to be taken in order to get a desired outcome. You can use Astro Dice for a multitude of questions and I absolutely love them for giving like insightful advice. But I feel like I have the most fun with Astro Dice because I can use them for like goofy shit as well. Like Charlie and I, hi Charlie, you're listening to this now and I'm talking about you, isn't that great? Um, Charlie and I, we write together and um, we write different characters together. And like sometimes when I have to make major decisions with my characters, I will roll for the answer of like what to do with it. So we're like roll for the outcome or we have witchy characters and sometimes they will use the astro dice to like do a reading. So then I'll use the astro dice and like write the reading out in character. And it's just, I don't know, it's so nerdy and it's so fun. And I have a lot of fun with astro dice. I feel like they're just fun for like, pra again, practical information, but also having fun with. Um, and I just, I really love my astro dice. So if you have not heard of astro dice, you should Google them. They're really cool. And I do provide Astro Dice readings on my Etsy shop. I have Astro Dice readings, tarot readings, oracle readings, every type of divination that we talked about here on this podcast, besides runes, um, I provide a reading for that on Etsy with. But now I want to quickly talk about how I involve Jesus with my divination practice or my deities in general. I literally just ask them to be there. It's really not that fancy for me. Sometimes I'll light a Jesus candle or if I'm like doing readings with Venus, I'll light a candle for her. Um, or if I'm doing Lilith readings, I'll light her candle, whatever it may be. But for me, all I do is I ask them to be there. I ask their presence to be known and for them to be the ones giving me the information that I need. That's what works for me. I truly believe in keeping your practice very simple. So the simpler, the better. So for me, that's very simple and that's how it works. But anyway, this was our conversation on divination in the Bible. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Jesus Witch Podcast. If you liked it, be sure to subscribe to whatever podcasting app you're currently listening to us on. Give us a rating of five stars because that helps get the word out about the show. And check out the show notes page for different ways that you could help support the show or places you could follow me on the internet so we could connect. Now it's time for my favorite part of each episode of the Jesus Witch Podcast, our verse of the day, today, day, 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 day. This one we're going to be looking at is 1 Timothy 6, 9, which says, Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to eternal life, which God has called you to, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. There's no reason in particular why I wanted to share that verse. I just like it. It's one of those feel-good verses, and I wanted to share it with you, so I hope it made you feel good too. Anyways, that's this week's episode of the Jesus Witch Podcast. I will see you next week for another one. I feel like I ended this too professionally. I apologize for that. Um, uh, random noises to make it weird. Okay, bye!